0: And we're going to jump into Joshua. All right. Um, Joshua is a, a unique thing. You read the first five books of the Bible, and it's all about Moses. It comes to the very end of Deuteronomy. And then here we go. You turn the page, and it's Moses is dead now. And now that's a new chapter of Israel. And, uh, and the whole thing is, it's pushing us to see that God's calling us to trust him and obey him. Trust and obey. There's a song about that, I think. Uh, trust and obey. If you grew up singing hymns, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. This, this idea, the demonstration that you trust the Lord, is that you obey him. All right? Muncie, can you come up here real quick? I picked Muncie because he's not as heavy as I am. I think I know where this is going. All right. <laughs> All right, yeah. All right. I'm, I'm going to demonstrate right now. All right, Muncie, can you turn around and look that way? I will not, you guys understand, I will not let him hit his head on the platform. It'll be for generations to come. Now, now, Muncie, do you believe that I can catch you if you fall backwards? Uh, I don't know yet. Maybe. (laughs) Depends on how you're feeling today. Do do you believe that I am capable? Yes. Okay. You believe I'm capable. Do you believe that I have enough sense about me that I'm not going to let you hit the floor on stage in front of everybody. That's the hard part. <laughs> but. But yes. yeah, he said yes. I got a yes out of him. All right. So if I say that I am trustworthy and I say I will catch you, I promise, and as, as you guys are my witness, I will catch him if he falls back. I'm not going to make you do it. Should I make him do it? You got to look forward. I you you got to look forward. All right. Alright. If you trust me, fall back. <laughs> someone tell me if he's actually gonna is, is at You gotta trust me, man. <laughs> All right, give him a hand real okay. quick. Okay. He obeyed kind of. He kind of obeyed my voice. All right? He, he obeyed my voice, fall back. And when you fall back, you're demonstrating. The actual falling back is the demonstration that you believe me. When God tells you what your sin is going to do in your life, when, when the path that you're walking in, does, it promises all these things. Sin promises a bunch of stuff, but it always comes with empty promises. And Jesus said, you don't have to walk in that. You can trust me. You can walk in the victory that I've provided for you. So what you do is you wake up one day and say, I know, but sin is pretty good. You don't believe him. You don't believe his goodness. And so you choose to walk after things that are in opposition to his goodness. I'm getting I'll get it's not in my notes. I'll give an example. I I will say when you have somebody that cheats on their spouse, you have a wife. I have a wife that is a godly woman. She cares for our home. She cares for our children. She she like she's an incredible woman, right? And what happens is the lure of the things of this world can get your eyes off focus of the blessing of that relationship and get you distracted by things that are far less. The crazy thing, God has promised blessing in this relationship, but so often people chase after things that are empty, that have no promise. Like it promises happiness, but it never delivers. And so when you look at Joshua, we're about to go into a promised land. Think about the name of the place that we call it. It's a promised land. God has promised it for generations before. And Joshua is standing there. He's, he's about to be the man up that's going to be leading them into the land that was promised to them generations before. And all they have to do is believe God. Trust God. And just walk in obedience and take the land. That's the beauty of this story is it's entirely based on just trusting the leadership of God, the voice of God, and obeying. And God is the one that brings the victory. You just trust him and obey him. Uh, Do you remember the life of Moses? Um, It's crazy. Uh, August 25th, 2019. Can you go back to what life was like in in your life, right? August 25th, 2019. I was in Georgia at the time, and Steve had just preached the first of a message of a series on the life of Moses, okay? And I listened to that sermon because week two, Exodus chapter two, I had to preach, that's when I came in Canada. It seems crazy, so I was able to hear from the Bedi. and Deuteronomy 31 says, He said to them, Moses said to the people, "I'm 120 years old today. I'm no longer able to go out and come in. And the Lord has said to me, "You shall not go over this Jordan. God had told him, You will not go into the Jordan, over the Jordan." And the Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you. Who will? God will. So that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go at your head. Another guy is going to go at your head as the Lord has spoken And you see this story that you remember a couple chapters later, it's his final words. Moses is coming to the end of his life and he he gives a blessing on each of the tribes. And at the very end, he climbs a mountain and God is showing him all the promised land. Deuteronomy 34 Verse 4 says, The Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I've let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. Have you uh that just seems cruel by God? Doesn't it? It just seems like it. I don't believe it is cruel by God. Doesn't it seem cruel that God would let him see this land that was promised for generations, but he said, you won't go in. It's like the kid that gets a Christmas present, says, they finds out what he's going to get for Christmas. Mom and dad say, you're going to get a new whatever it is. And then Christmas Eve, like the kid's been, did a couple wrong things and said, sorry, kid, we'll let you see what it is, but we're taking it back. Right? That would not be a very good Christmas. When you know what you were going to get, and then you don't get it, it seems cruel. I don't think any of us would do that to our kids, right? Maybe. <laughs> Why would God do that to Moses? Why would God let him see it and not allow him to go in? Right before he died, and I, I want to tell you, I believe it's because the goodness of God that he allowed him to see it. And I, let, me, let me tell you why. Uh, you remember the 12 tribes in Numbers chapter 13? What did the, tw- or the, the 12 spies from each of the tribe? they went into the land of Canaan, and what did they do? They were spying out the land, and they came back and said, the fruit is huge. It's a land that flows with milk and honey, and and but but the problem is there are giants in the land. And they really inflated the story like BFG. It's just giants in the land, and there's no way we're like grasshoppers in the presence of these giants. And even though God has promised it, it's the promised land. God promised that we could have it, that it was for us. And it's, it's wonderful, but there's giants in the land that we'll never be able to defeat. And the, the cities are fortified. And Caleb stands up. He says, let us go up at once and occupy it. He had a different spirit about him. He didn't have the spirit that says, Well, they're giants and we're, we're way too small compared to them. Caleb said, Let's occupy it. God promised it, let's take it. Let's believe, let's trust him, and let's obey and go. For we are well able to overcome it. And so the 10, ten of the other spies said, There's no way. We got to stir it up. We're like grasshoppers. And, and the people said, Why did God, why did you bring us out in the wilderness to die here? We'd rather die in Egypt, is what they were saying. Why'd they bring us out here for this? So let's go back to Egypt, is their cry. And when they were crying out, saying, We, we just need to go back to where we were, the bondage that we were before, Caleb and Joshua tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people, The land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel. Do not disobey. We can trust God. He can lead us through this. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. If you stood up and said, man, we got to trust God and move forward, well, stone that guy. Joshua and Caleb. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting and all the people of Israel. God showed up. God promised them the land. God promised them victory and they didn't believe God and so they didn't obey God and and, and on ironically, a, a trip that would take 11 days from where they crossed the Red Sea to where they crossed the Jordan I'm pointing to it back here you guys aren't seeing this. you're seeing this. this is why we have this here. So we can say, look, from where they crossed, where they crossed the Red Sea, to where they entered in at the Jordan. It's an 11-day journey. Because they didn't trust God, they didn't believe, they wasted 40 years of wandering rather than laying hold of the promise that God had given them. And so everyone, remember, God called that everyone 20 years and older would not live, that they would die in the wilderness. Said it in Numbers 14, said, Say to them, as I I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness. And and of all your number listed in the census from 20 years and older upward who have grumbled against me, not one shall come into the land that I swore I would make you dwell except Caleb the son of Jephunneh and, and Joshua the son of Nun. And so everyone, including Moses and Aaron, would die in the wilderness. Everyone except Joshua and Caleb Why did they not die? Because they trusted. They were obedient. They believed God was giving it and they could take it. Now listen to this, though. I'm going to pick back up. Do you remember where Moses, what did God do to him? What seems like a cruel thing, that God would let him see the promised land and then he'd die? Nobody else who didn't get to go in, saw it. The goodness of God allowed Moses, even though he was in the wilderness, to see the promise of God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And so I, I want to skip ahead now. I want, I want you to see this. This is so powerful to me. Uh, do you remember the Rock of Horeb? I, I'm pulling you along, and then we're going to launch in uh, the Rock of Horeb. What happened there? The water, what did God call Moses to do? Strike, this one's the striking it. Rock of Horeb is this, the waters of Meribah was where they, he struck it when he was supposed to say it. But listen, he struck the rock and what happened when they struck the rock? It just burst forth with Water. And in 1 Corinthians, it ties it together that says that the rock is who? Jesus. And if you strike the rock, what happens? Jesus said it this way. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling to eternal life. You strike Jesus on the cross and those who thirst will never thirst again. You strike him how many times? One time. Jesus said again, he said, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. They knew what that meant. They knew he was claiming to be the rock of Horeb. 1 Corinthians says they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And I love this picture. Every priest stands daily in his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But Christ has offered one sacrifice. Once for all, he sat down at the right hand of God the Father. And so when they come again to another rock, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and speak to the rock. Tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and the cattle. But Moses struck it again. If it's a picture of Jesus, you only strike the rock once, once and for all. And so God's response, Lord said to Moses, Aaron, because you did not believe me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land I have given you. Listen, Moses didn't just disobey God's word. He ruined the picture that God was painting He was showing forth that if you strike the rock one time, it will satisfy the thirst of everybody. You strike the rock a second time, it ruins the picture that the sacrifice was made once and for all. That's why he says, speak. Because after the rock has been struck and the water is flowing, then we come to him. You would probably did it this week. Lord Jesus, I am thirsty. I need your presence. I need you, Lord. Jesus did not have to be re-crucified this week for me to have my thirst quenched this week. He was sacrificed once. And so that was a, an extremely long introduction, right? Are you still with me? Today we're going to talk about next man up. The next man up. And by the way, the, the sermon is less than the introduction. Uh. The next man up, Uh, imagine you had an All-American football player at the University, or or Marshall, the University of Marshall. No, Marshall University, right? And something happens to your All-American quarterback. What do you do? You probably don't have another All-American coming up behind, right? You may or may not. I'm just saying Marshall... Like, if we get an All American in town, praise God, man, this is going to be a good season. But he better not get hurt, right? And there's other programs, and I cannot stand Alabama football. So just want to put that out there at first. But if one goes down, next man up. They got another four All Americans right behind the first All American. The picture of the kingdom of God is that if, if one man moves on, the next man up. I, I moved on from Georgia, and there's a next man behind me. Praise God. Steve has moved on, and I'm, I'm here. I'm an interim right now, and I am I'm desiring to fill the gap, whether that's a two-month gap or a 20-year gap. It's, the reality is no matter how long it is, it's a gap. I'm bridging the gap. And that's, what, that's the kingdom of God. If, if you step away from whatever God is using you as, guess what? Next man up. There will be another All-American because it's not about the man, it's about the mission of God. Amen. And if a man is passionate about the mission of God, the mission will continue. And the crazy thing, if a man is not passionate about the mission of God, the mission will still continue because this is so much bigger than man. And so I look at at the story of Joshua. uh, Joshua chapter one, verses one through nine, we see this picture where Joshua is listening to God. He's hearing his voice. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun. By the way, he's Moses' servant. He's an aide. He was learning under him. By the way, pretty massive shoes to fill when at the very end of the Torah, it said that there's never been a prophet in the land like Moses. Right? That is impossible shoes to fill. But Joshua isn't filling shoes. He's on a mission. And it's not his mission, it's God's mission. Does that make sense? So he was just an assistant. Moses, my servant is dead is what Jesus, or what God speaks to him. Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise and go and take his place. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them. Ironically, under 40 years earlier, Joshua had already seen that land. He was a spy. He saw it. He said, in order, by the way, in order to move forward, you, you really have to stop looking in the rearview mirror. It's very difficult to drive while you're looking in the rearview mirror. You got to keep your eyes on the road ahead. And just a, just a sub point here the American church is a growing graveyard. And and if you want to look just as a foreshadow of what the American church could be in a few short years, look at Europe. You go all over Europe and the churches are bars. The churches are repurposed because they're cool old historic buildings, but the gospel is not continuing. Why is that? What worked 50 years ago might not work with this generation. The message has to be the same, but the means of ministering might not be the same. Right? Is church ministry very different today than it was 50 years ago? Right? Churches that don't understand that the means change are graveyards. Look around this tri-state. If a church is focused on the next generation it's alive. If a church is focused on the rearview mirror, it's a huddle of believers. And so this whole thing, Joshua had to leave the land that they had been living in for 40 years to move the people forward to what God had promised them. I I think about revival meetings, by the way. I've heard, you guys heard of revival meetings? If you're younger than 20 have you heard of revival meetings? Okay, a couple of you. I had never heard of it growing up in New York. It's was like, revival? And uh, they said, yeah, we have revival meetings every year. Alright, okay, that sounds good. I didn't know anything about it. What is it? Is it like a Bible conference or what? So I said, yeah, I'll be there. And so, uh, so I go to the revival meeting. I realize it's just a meeting during the week. Back in the day, you'd have thousands show up and it would start off like projecting you'll go a week and it end up being 5 or 6 weeks right and so what happened is that's the way that God was stirring it really was happening in Appalachia but at the time what do we do we need to we need to keep doing that because it's effective so now when you go to a revival meeting what is it it might be th- 3 nights maybe and it's a huddle of a couple people that meet three nights and, and the evangelist doesn't really it's weird what does an evangelist do because they can't go from revival meeting to revival meeting right and we just think the church is falling apart because what we used to do doesn't work anymore just like Joshua called to move them forward there's got to be a new means for every generation And a wise leader does not abandon the past, but he builds on it. He builds forward on it. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised Moses. Again, it's God's mission, not Moses' mission, right? From the wilderness, which is south, to Lebanon, which is in the north, as far as the great river, Euphrates, that, that's again to the east, and all the land of the Hittites to the great, the Mediterranean Sea, toward the going down of the sun, to the west, shall be your territory. That is yours. It's your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I have, I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Divine enabling. And God called him three times to be what? Three times in the next couple verses. Three times he said, be strong and very courageous. And all three of them, he was saying, be strong for this reason. Be strong for this reason. First one, be strong because the promise that I gave it says, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to your fathers to give them. And this being strong and courageous has nothing to do with being tough. And you just go out there and do it. Right? We're American. You get out there and get it done. Be strong. Don't be hesitant. It not, has nothing to do with that. The, the strength he's encouraging him for is to trust him. There's a boldness that, that wells up in every man and woman that trusts God that they have a confidence that is not theirs. They're walking in an authority that is not their own. Uh, I, <laughs> I learned this. When I used to lead worship, I used to be a music pastor. Did you guys know that? Like that's what I started in ministry. I was hired on as a full-time guy at First Baptist South Point, and I was the music pastor who oversaw collegiate ministry. And a crazy thing, you know what music ministry was for me when I first started? For four years, I had a pianist on this side and an organist on this side, and I went like this, and I had a hymnal in my hand. Uh, I I led a little choir, and we had a good time for four years, and the Lord opened an opportunity for me to go to this church in Georgia. I was brought on staff as the music pastor of this church, and I get down there, and it's like, they got a big choir? who's supposed to, I'm supposed to lead that, right? And they got a orchestra, they have got a praise band, a couple of different praise bands and all these soloists and I'm supposed to coordinate this thing and a senior adult choir, what am I supposed to do with this? And I remember for the first year I was like, oh Lord, what have I gotten myself into? But the thing that I kept renewing myself to This is so far beyond me. I know God has placed you in situations like that. This is way beyond my ability to do. But God, you have led me to right here. And I can trust you to enable me to walk in obedience. That I can take, I don't have to figure this out in a day, but I can take one step and trust you. It's not, they couldn't go in and beat everybody. They took one battle at a time. I'm gonna trust you. I'm going to trust you. And so here, he challenged him to trust the promises of God that was long before. Verse 7, he challenged him to trust the word of God. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. By the way, the law, the word of God was the Torah. That's all they had was Moses' writing. It said, know it, do it, walk in it. Do not turn from it right hand or left that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, for you shall meditate on it day and night. The greatest example of it is chewing cud. Do you guys understand that a cow has four stomachs? Right? I worked on a dairy farm growing up. I know these things. Useless knowledge that comes in handy right now. Okay, So they eat their food, and then as they're sitting, that's why they're always working their job, because they're chewing what they had swallowed earlier. So you come to church, that's gross, yeah. You come to a church service, and you ingest I do that all the time. Last week, Daniel preached on Gideon, and I told him, man, I got I to gotta chew on that. And I did. Man, it ministered to me when I listened to what he said, and I ingested it, and then I took it back, and I just sat in Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8, and God ministered to me as I was chewing cud. All right? Terrible picture, but it's, you get it so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. James said it that way. You remember, be doers of the word and not just hearers. Don't just know it. Walk in it. So Joshua 1, 9, he said one more time, he says this, I've commanded you, be strong. Why is he saying to be strong this time? Have confidence in the presence Of God, The promises, the word of God, and the presence. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I loved going on night hikes. I used to work at a camp in Indiana, and as we went on night hikes together, you say, all right, kids, we're gonna go on a walk at night. And they're like, we're going to do what? And I'd say, you cannot bring a flashlight. Like say what? And it was something that we used to do to help them to trust and listen to the voice and follow the voice. We knew where we were going. They had no clue where they were going. They didn't know that we were going down a path that we could, we could look and see. We knew where we were going in the, in the dark. The cool thing is no person, no person would go on a night hike by themselves, no sane person, right? I think I'm gonna go on a night hike through the woods in the pitch black. But there's something about being in the presence of people that comforts you while you're walking through the dark of the woods. There's something about presence. You don't feel like you're alone. Even though you can't see You don't feel like you're alone. The same way the presence of God, he's always with us. You might not know it. Do you know he's in the room? You know the word of God says he's omnipresent, means he's everywhere. He's here. You might not realize it. You might not be aware of his presence. It might not be encouraging you right now, but it's there. He is here. I I love walking alone because it's never alone. I I get away from people and go on walks. I can't get to Vesuvius anymore because everybody's trampling on my hiding spot. (laughs) But, uh, But anyway, I got a picture from Danny Pelfrey He was on his plane, and he took a picture of Vesuvius. So they're coming by motorcycle, by plane, to my secret hiding place where I spend with the Lord. Anyway, have good times, but I'm I'm glad you guys can enjoy it too. But saying that, you're never alone when you go on a walk with nobody. God God has a way of, of drawing near to you in those times. And so as he listened, Joshua listened and enabled him to lead. Verses 10 through 18. Uh, I love A.W. Tozer said. Listen to no man who has not listened to God. Listen to no man who has not listened to God. And listen, Joshua commanded the officers of the people. He said, Pass through the midst of the camp and command people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over the Jordan. We've been waiting for 40 years, and Joshua's like, Let's go. God said, let's go, let's go. And so after, it said three days, we're gonna pass over the Jordan and we're gonna take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. We're just gonna go and trust him and walk in obedience. And he said to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, listen, they're the ones that are inhabiting east Of the Jordan River. So they're standing in the place where their land is divided to them, but they're gonna go over and conquer. He said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you rest in this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan, where they're standing, east of the Jordan. But all the men of valor, the warriors, among you shall pass over arm before the brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has, has to you. And they also take possession of the land. In other words, he's calling on them, fight for your brothers. Go before them and fight for the land that they will inherit. Even though they already had their land. And he said, then you shall return into the land of your possession and shall possess it. And the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered. They they agreed. They were in agreement and obedience following after. They saw that God was leading in Joshua and they said, we're in agreement. They answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. Whatever you send us, we'll go. And as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you. If God is with you, we're with you. As he was with Moses. And whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your word, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So, man, we just went through a pretty quick story So what's the challenge for you guys? What's the challenge for us, me? I've spent a lot of time in Hebrews this week just wrestling through things in here. And Hebrews says this. I want you to read this as if it's written to you. Because it is. Read these words as if the Holy Spirit says to you today. Don't read it like, oh, it's in Hebrews, that's written 2,000 years ago. No, it's written to you. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They've never known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall never enter my rest. All those who didn't believe God, didn't obey God, their carcasses were left in the wilderness. They never got to possess the land that God had promised them. So listen, take care, brothers and sisters. Take care, that's us. Like, because of that, remember their story. Read their story and acknowledge this is to us. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it's called today. So look at that. Exhort one another Every day, as long as it's today. So today is today, and exhort one another today, and tomorrow is today. When, that, when tomorrow comes, you can say today, and your responsibility is to exhort one another every day, as long as there is a today. As long as the Spirit of God is speaking to us, and we have breath to live, and we have an opportunity to respond to him by faith today, that why? Why? that you may be you may be hardened that none of you that whew, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin sin is very deceptive ah. and here's your, your takeaway the reason that you struggle to obey the lord is because you struggle to trust his promises You think there's a better way than the way he told you. You think, you think the the giants are way too big. The, The giant of Satan, the giant of sin and death is way too big. There's no way I can defeat him. And Satan's whispering in your ear, the sin that has captivated you for years and years will continue to captivate you until you die. And Satan whispers that false truth, that lie in your ear and you've believed it your whole life, not understanding that Jesus has promised you victory. He's promised you because he defeated the enemy. He defeated Satan. He defeated sin and death. He stands victorious and he's saying, I promised you victory. I'm giving you victory, but you got to believe and you got to obey. The reason you struggle to obey the Lord, the reason John Estes struggles to obey the Lord is because I struggle to trust his promises. You either trust and obey or you doubt and are defeated. That is every believer in this room. You either trust and obey or you doubt and you're walking in defeat.